What on earth is that? It's a Journey into Comics Network production! The following podcast, scheduled for one fall, is for the Journey into Wrestling Podcast Tag Team Championship. Cero miedo! Because the Warhorse will fight until he breathes his last breath! I got the whole damn world in my hands! Your arms are just too short to box with God. You just made the list! But the man is back. Daddy's home. Ricky ain't about just taking titles. I'm about taking this up to another level that you've never seen before. I'm a wildfire burning across the countryside. I am Napalm Death. Welcome to Villain Enterprise! No more questions, not that damn now. What's up ladies and gentlemen, welcome to season 5 of Journey into Wrestling. This is the season premiere. Today, we've got a 65 million year old dinosaur and a guy who looks great in a tunic and only one of those statements is false. I'm your host, Nate. Welcome back to Journey into Wrestling. Today, joining me as always is my compadre, the 65 year, 65 million year old dinosaur himself, Buckles. How's it going, bro? <laughs> You know, it's the 65 million physically. Mentally, I'm somewhere around a 7, 8. <laughs> you're, you're like, I'm still in second grade and my brain meets, See, yeah, emotionally, my body I'm, looks like I've lived through the Ice Age. Yeah, I've, I've got the body of a woolly mammoth and the emotional stability of a 12-year-old. So, <laughs> Well, I think that's all you can have in this current world we live in man there's i mean there's like we could literally sit here and just go into the whole coronavirus is taking over everything and nothing has changed and i don't want to do that today we've got a lot of fun wrestling stuff to dive into there's a lot of stuff to talk about we've missed a couple weeks because we took a few weeks off but we're not gonna try to fill in that whole gap if we didn't cover it sorry like uh, I, there's there's gonna be some headlines i'm gonna hit i did go back to our last show to try to at least catch some stuff from there but man yeah okay. we're starting season five here wild big excite and you know what to couple that we are in season five buckles Mm -hmm. and i said this at the end of season four i said now i'm putting a lot of pressure on myself to produce a new logo for our show you did and i think i did an okay job i'd say you knocked that out the goddamn park my friend that is a beautiful new logo well and i I had a, I got a kick out of looking at it. Um, I know you guys have already been posted on Facebook. It's already been posted on Twitter. Um, but I would encourage you, if you're listening to this, go on, take a look at the logo, blow it up, look, like, zoom in, look at the background, look at the detail the man went to to get all of the indie shit on there as well. And we I, made I some executive proud. decisions because actually, there's a version of our logo. I don't know if it's still up. It probably is. Um, that. Unbeknownst to me, I guess bar wrestling made the cut. <laughs> it, it's easy to miss one. And yeah, I was bar like, wrestling. Oh, made I don't the want cut. bar wrestling in there. No, and you, you do not. said you're like, dude, BLP, Black Label Pro. Like, 
we talk about them all the time. Why would we not include them with what we already do? And I was like, bingo, nailed it. So I made the quick adjustment. And you know, it's one of those things where you know a logo is good, or at least this is my own personal opinion, when you can't wait to get it out to people mm-hmm. to see. And I got to say, along with the new logo and, you know, the new look and new focus on things, we've got an announcement for the show as well, don't we? Oh, man, I'm so glad you brought it up because it is very important that we announce while we're staying on Wednesdays, because Wrestling Wednesday, it's just a beautiful thing, baby. We are officially going weekly. That's right. You're going to hear more of us. You're not going to be able to get rid of me. Yeah, I don't know how we're going to do season five because it's going to essentially be 52 episodes long. Um, I guarantee I can word vomit enough to talk about shit. And the fact that, you know, I'm looking at all the headlines I've got here and all the stuff I'm trying to cram in, and there's still entire promotions that I'm not going to be able to touch yet. I'm looking forward to 52 weeks. That gives us a chance to touch on stuff we might not otherwise get to hit. Yeah, exactly. And it's great, too, because with the with the way things are kind of fleshed out, and I don't know if you have, like, I just realized there was an impact pay-per-view as well that I don't Mm -hmm. know if we've got any headlines for, but, like, there's so much going on. And sometimes when there's not as much going on, it'll be nice to say, well, there's not a lot to talk about with AEW or NXT this week. But, goddamn, did you see what happened down at CMLL or, 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 you know. To to give you a really good example, you hit it right on the head with the impact pay-per-view. I have not gotten a chance to follow hardly any of it. And, honestly, the other, you know, if you go across the ocean right now, the big thing going on one of the biggest things every year, the G1 Climax is well underway, and I probably won't be touching on it at all today. I'm hoping to get it cleared up and uh, get some information on it for next week, but that's a big deal for New Japan that I'm not even going to be able to touch into today. Yeah, but that's okay, man. You've been watching so much wrestling, it's like legitimately insane. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the uh, show next week's going to be fun because I may have the uh, the brain of an Abiba by that point. After all, what I'm planning on taking in this coming weekend... <laughs> You know, honestly, thinking about next week, you guys might get a like an extra long boy just with the amount of indie wrestling alone that's mm-hmm. going to be producing content. And that's not even to say what headlines and other crazy shit's going to drop on the main shows, on the bigger right. promotions, on right. the quote-unquote less indies, closer to mainstream rosters. You know, there's rumors that NWA Power is starting back up very soon. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna, these are all things we're going to be discussing and diving into. Yep, we're going to try to we're going to try to flush out some of our sequ- our sequences, our segments segments for this season a little bit. Uh, I'm going to start doing the. I'm only going to have one uh, someone to watch a month now. We're going to try to do that at the beginning of the month. I'll have one tonight. Uh, we're also going to do the top ten, but I'm going to do one top ten list a month now, and try to really encapsulate the best matches of the month, not just show to show. We're Very also going to pepper in stuff like the. Who's got the book, and uh, maybe a couple new things as well. Yeah, we've talked about a lot of different ideas, and uh, our hope, I'm not going to hold our breath too hard on this, but the hope is a couple things, and this is long-term, we're discussing long-term planning for our show, and that's fine here. One thing we're going to try to start doing is having interviews with wrestlers. People that you may or may not know in the wrestling world that we may or may not have access to or be able to through the power of Twitter. The second thing we're going to be hoping for, and I want everybody who is a listener of our show right now, while you're hearing me say this, I want you to cross your fingers. I want you to put all that big, 
Nick energy into the world. <laughs> and I want you guys to say that Buckles is definitely going to be able to get a new laptop, which will allow our show <laughs> yes. to hopefully transition to a video show as well, which will be extra amazing and fun. And there's a lot of ideas I have for that if we get to go down that, that route eventually. But in the in the very front of our brain meets right now we've got to focus on what's currently happening there are a lot of headlines a lot of crazy things Mm -hmm. that have been breaking a lot of um stuff we're learning about and and different storylines that are being really fleshed out deeper so buckles take it away man where are we starting to down this bad boy well, I'll tell you what, I want to start off actually with uh, the indie stuff just because I want to get into what I'm going to do for this weekend and then kind of move on to the bigger stuff that's going to be uh, coming after the fact. But <clears throat> the big thing for me, and I mentioned it already on the show, but uh, this coming weekend is the GCW The Collective. Um, if you remember from earlier this year, uh, about the time we were going into the deep, dark rabbit hole that is the pandemic and is the uh, the quarantine, um we talked about the effect on independent wrestling as much as it was on WWE and the uh, in-house WrestleMania, that kind of thing. But in well, and the main difference being that the indie shows really took a shaft because they didn't yes, have a did. location to yes, privately put their shows on. There's a, a kind of a burgeoning thing that's happening with WrestleMania every year now, and that is that wherever WrestleMania is held, you have a lot of independent shows and independent promotions that all kind of converge on that area. Uh, whether that's uh, wrestling events, whether that's conventions, uh, celebrity meet and greets, things like that, they all kind of show up at the same site of WrestleMania every year now. And it becomes like a whole week-long thing. And starting last year, uh, back in 2019, Game Changer Wrestling, or GCW, put about 10 or 12 of those shows together and called it The Collective. So you could have one ticket for one big event and go to all of them or, you know, one ticket to stream everything, something like that. And that was set up again for this year. Well, the pandemic uh, pretty much raw dogged that out of existence. Um, it to put it lightly. just fucked it off the To planet. put it lightly, yeah. Um, and a lot of those shows, and a good example being Dan Housen and Warhorse's uh, and, uh, and, uh, WrestleMania, uh, just never materialized. Those were shows that were booked, ready, set to go, and just, well, we may never have them. Uh, Bloodsport, things like that. Well, with the progress that the world's making, uh, if you want to call it progress, I suppose. Um, Let's call it false progress now. Uh, we'll, we'll, call it, we'll call it hopeful progress. Okay, um, sure. GCW announced that they are going to have the collective this year. They're moving it to Indianapolis. Um, which, you know, bummer for me that I have the, the money of a, uh, broke man that I can't get down and go to these shows, but these are happening in my backyard, but, uh, they're going to have this huge amount of independent wrestling shows that were supposed to go on, uh, in some form or fashion earlier this year. And now we're finally going to get to see them. And there's, uh, your boy here has actually bought the streaming service ticket on fight TV which, if you want to, it's 140 bucks on fight. You're getting 12 shows, 12 full cards. Yeah, it is Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all three full days worth of wrestling. Um, AKA I'm not go on our Twitter, which is JIW on mm-hmm. JIC, you will see an immense amount of tweeting from this man. He will tweet 
his fucking fingers off. Yeah, I uh, I kind of got a, a good start on it this weekend. I'll go into that in a second. But I am definitely going to be on Twitter a lot this coming weekend. So please, by all means, come and join me and hang out and chat about the shit that we are watching. Um, yeah. I don't have a lot of the cards for this weekend because a lot of them haven't even been really announced. Um, Probably going to be a lot of surprise stuff, too, because you've there got... Are. You've got people who are in different states with different restrictions for travel. Right. You've and you've also got, got people like, who are kind of... Some of the bigger-named people, yeah. if you've they had a couple go to this show, too. they may have to quarantine taking them off of, a, say, right. an AEW, looking at you, Joey Janela, right. or, 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 you know, whatever. So they're really interesting... To they're look really to, interesting different segments of storylines really going mm-hmm. on in the real world that are going to affect this weekend. So what you're getting actually is uh, on Friday, uh, Jimmy Lloyd's Degeneration F. Uh, I think Full Impact Pro, or no, not Full Impact Pro, Southern in, uh, Southern Underground Pro, Swing of the Axe, uh, AIW, All Intense Wrestling. I think it's All Intense Wrestling. Thunder in Indianapolis and GCW for the Culture, which is the all-black promotion. Those are all Friday. On Saturday, uh, Effie's Big Gay Brunch, Glory Pros, Are You Wrestling Son?, uh, the immortal Joey Janela Spring Break Four, um, freelance. I don't think we're in Chicago anymore. And then on Friday, or excuse me, on Sunday, uh, you get uh, Black Label Pros Threat Level Noon Shimmer Show, uh, Josh Barnett's Bloodsport, and then a Paradigm Show at the end of the night. Uh, that is actually a lot of Indianapolis folks as well. So that's twelve total shows, uh, starting at noon on Friday and going all the way to midnight on Sunday that are all look to be slam-bang great shit. Um, so it's like noon to midnight every day, huh? Just about, yeah. Like the last show starts at midnight, starts at midnight. That's a lot of shit to take in, man. And I'm going to try to take in as much as I can. I can't promise I'm going to watch all of them this weekend, but I'm going to try to get as many as I can in. Um, if you do get the streaming thing on Fight, they will save it for you so you can restream them as often as you like. But just to give That's you a couple nice. matches that have been announced, um, I know at the For the Culture show, AR Fox is going to fight Two Cold Scorpio, which I am amazed at. Um, I know at uh, Bloodsport, the main event of Bloodsport uh, was going to be Josh Barnett and John Moxley, is now Chris Dickinson and John Moxley, which I'm over the moon, sign me the fuck up. I will be definitely watching that show. If you haven't, out of all the shows on there, um, they're all going to have their own vibes. Obviously, Effie's Big Gay Brunch is going to have its own vibe. Janela's are always a clusterfuck in their own right. But if you get a chance to watch any of the shows, watch Bloodsport because it is a unique, unique show. They're great every year. I love it every year. Um, no ropes, no, uh, no rope breaks, uh, tap out or submission, or I mean submission or knockout only for each show. Fans awesome. who have been listening to us since at least season four know that you have yes. a big love for the blood sport because you talked yes. about it last season as well. Uh, Allison K is actually doing it as well this year. They're <laughs> actually going to have a four women mini tournament in it uh, with uh, Killer Kelly as well, which should be dope. <laughs> uh, so that's coming up this weekend. This past weekend, I want to touch on really fast. Uh, I had the opportunity to watch uh, another homegrown promotion, Black Label Pro. You guys have heard me talk about it a lot. Uh, Black Label had their TurboGraph 16 uh, two-show tournament. So they do two full cards uh, over the course of the day. Um, the tournament itself is pretty unique. They do they have 16 entrants. 
They run a series of uh, singles matches. The winners of those singles matches have two fatal four-ways, and the winners of the two fatal four-ways fight in the finals. And you had some good names in here. You had guys like Christian Casanova, ACH. You had uh, guys like uh, Mike Bennett was a surprise entrant. Um, Isaiah Velasquez. Uh, EC3? Kylie Ray. EC3 was in there, yes. He was not part of the tournament, though. Oh, my bad. He was there, but he was not part of the tournament. Uh, Kylie Ray versus Alex Shelley was one of the matches. It was a marquee match, actually. Whoa. Uh yeah, but all around the whole show, there's bangers left and right. Uh, there's a couple great tag matches in there, too. Violence is Forever had a fantastic uh, tag match against a team called Top Flight that I'm just now recognizing. Um, but I wanted to give them a quick shout-out just for the fact that if you get a chance to watch it, there is some really cool storytelling that went on. Um, in case you didn't know, I mentioned the name Isaiah Velasquez. That is Kylie Ray's fiance, And he's a very good wrestler in his own right. Uh, had a couple of matches against Alex Shelley in the past. They went one-on-one. Um, and the during the course of the tournament, Shelley beat Kylie Ray for her Midwest uh, Championship in their tournament match and really kind of beat the hell out of her. It was a little uncomfortable. And to wrap it all up, you get Velasquez and Shelley in the tournament at the final. So the main event of the show, the main event of both shows, the whole day, is a match that, if you want to talk about stakes, it's a main event, it's a title match, it's a rubber match, it's a tournament final, and it's a chance for the babyface to get revenge on the heel for brutalizing his fiance earlier on in the night. Night's on, man. That's a lot, a lot of stakes in one match and a lot of storytelling wrapped up in one match all built up in one day. So just a really, really cool progression of stuff. If you get a chance to sit down on IWTV, double ch- uh, go check out Black Label Pro, the TurboGraph shows. Both of them are fantastic. Hell yeah. Um, and actually, with you doing the the tweeting of that, you know, you had some, some interaction with a lot of the people that were involved with that show. Yeah, I got uh, actually got a follow back from uh, Big B from Arles Garvin, which was fun. Yeah, uh, I uh, think I made the comment... So- that uh, the guy terrifies the hell out of me. He looks like a cr- uh, cross between Brian Nobbs and uh, oh, the why can't I think of his name now? The uh, the big hoss beefy guy from uh, from NWA, Trevor uh, Trevor Murdoch. Trevor Murdoch. Yeah. yeah. If you mention Brian Nobbs and Trevor Murdoch doing the fusion dance, you'll have big beef Charles Garvin. Well, and I think this is a good way to kind of transition into this segment, and hopefully, I'm doing it mm-hmm. right because. We're going to do something new called Twitter Talk because you've actually just had so much great interaction with different people. And I'm not just Mm -hmm. saying, like, oh, he only gets interaction with wrestlers, and that's what I want to talk about. I want to just talk about the basic people, the folks who are day-in, day-out wrestling fans that sometimes, you know, you've had – this is kind of why I want to talk about it. You've had two different kinds of interactions with Twitter, and I want to get into that. So let's – Let's dive into that if you're ready. Well, real quick, I want to make one final comment, and I'll tie it back in with the Twitter. Uh, sure. But I want to make one final comment about the BLP show is that their announced team, uh, Sarah Shockey and Big Perk, um, was fantastic and may actually be the most entertaining commentary team in wrestling right now. If you get a chance to listen to them. I actually had a couple a couple little conversations with Sarah Shockey throughout the day, too, uh, on yeah. Twitter. 
she did a hell of a job. Both of them did a hell of a job. You can tell they're actually organically enjoying and calling the shows, and it is so much fun because of it. So that's also a big highlight of the show for me. Um, oh, yeah. And getting to tell them that on Twitter makes it even better because they're actually on Twitter the entire time and going back and forth with you on stuff. Um, I do want to call out a couple people specifically on Twitter. Uh, at the Hater Nation actually had a nice little chat with me today while I was sitting in my office uh, about Liv Morgan, uh, the state of the Divas division. He and I had a little back and forth on that. So definitely check out the Hater Nation. Um, I do want to give a shout-out to Big Beef Narles Garvin because he tweeted me with the fact that literally in all caps, I kill people. <laughs> Great guy. Um, I got a shout-out from – I had a little mini conversation with David Bixenspan who likes to break WWE news all the time. That was a nice thing last night. Uh, got a uh, Twitter like from one Mick Foley, which be still my beating heart. That one was crazy. That was like yeah, we've had a lot that, of cool interactions kind of and stuff. And Cody and and a lot of the guys who are in the in the business now that are killing it. But and that all came from me just live tweeting Raw last night. Yeah. Uh, I do also want to give a very special shout out to uh, Russell Attic Radio. Uh, one of the uh, one of our fellow podcasts that does a little signal boosting has retweeted our show a couple times. So I definitely want to give a big thank you to them as well. Hell yeah. Thank you, guys. You guys are amazing. Um, yeah, Twitter has become a, a real fun thing, especially I've noticed it more with... Uh, it's more fun to tweet the indie shows because people interact with you a little bit more um, in terms of the actual people at the site or the wrestlers themselves are a little more likely to get on and, and talk to you halfway through, whereas live tweeting Raw or SmackDown or even NXT this week, um, you get more fans. You get more fan opinion. You get more interaction and conversation with fans that way. It's kind of nice. But I know I keep hawking it. I've hawked it all last season. I'm going to continue pushing it. If you have a Twitter, jump on there. Send me a comment. I will happily shoot the shit with you. And, uh, it's true. I'll, I will talk just about anything. Um, but I'm going to continue to try to push our uh, our Twitter feed out and do uh, live tweeting our shows like we have been. Uh, and, yeah, join in. Absolutely join in. I think it's really good, too, because it gives you an opportunity, you know, as wrestling fans right now, we're kind of, you know, the best part about wrestling is, like, talking to the wrestling fans about how awesome whatever moment was. Mm-hmm. You know, as a kid, I'll never forget going and sitting in the hallways in the mornings before school for fifth grade and talking about what happened on Monday Night Raw or on Nitro. Mm-hmm. And we don't a have that of, right now because the virus, right. I'm sure things are quote-unquote opening up and everything's going to go back to normal right before flu season, and I digress. Yeah. Anyways... Well, it doesn't. It doesn't hurt that um, it's easy to talk about stuff like Raw and SmackDown when, by and large, they're not that great, <laughs> or True. they keep it, giving it, you. I love. They keep giving you ammunition of stuff that you need to criticize or clown on in some things. Well, and I think that's where it's been really, you know, beneficial for us as the podcast and having you live tweeting the shows and your thoughts and your insights and your opinions is because with the hashtags and the way things work now, you're getting hits from people we may never not have ever mm-hmm. interacted with. Which right. is building and, right. and growing, and we're we're expanding. And I think, and I feel like, and I'm not trying to just like give you the blowy right here live on the podcast, but like you have a really good insight, and a lot of the things you say, when people get a chance to see them, they blow up. People are like, absolutely, this guy knows what he's talking about, 
and and your angle is always so very bright. So I'm just as a as a as a friend and someone who does the show with me. I'm just grateful that I have you doing uh, that work because I I couldn't do it. I don't have that kind of insight. I don't. Uh, I, I certainly appreciate that. I the uh, the old saying is that the uh, the greatest trick the devil ever per- the devil ever pulled was uh, convincing the world he didn't exist. Well, the greatest trick that I ever pulled was convincing the world that I have an idea in my head of what I'm talking about. <laughs> I think you do a damn fine job. Well, yeah, I appreciate that. But uh, well, um, no, man, the, as far as the Twitter stuff is concerned, you know, everything that happened with Raw and we're you know leading into this weekend's Hell in a Cell, right? Uh, no, I was mistaken. Uh, Hell in a Cell isn't until the twenty fifth, I believe. Oh, okay, so it's a little, a, a little yet, further yeah. ways away. Thankfully, thankfully. Although, uh, to be completely honest, if it was this Sunday, it would have been going head-to-head with Bloodsport, and I would have blo- watched Bloodsport in a heartbeat over Hell in a Cell. You're like, Sorry. I'll catch <laughs> Hell in a Cell on Monday sometime. Uh, Maybe. And, like, they're, the fact that WWE is still, I mean, you're always going to have news on WWE to comment on because it's not slowing down. It will never slow down. Uh, Vince will re- never let it slow down. But... They just give you, right now, there's so much to talk about with WWE that only in part of it is it because of good things. Um, You want to just jump right into WWE, actually? Let's just quick fire some of these WWE headlines. Yeah, we'll just give our rapid reactions and thoughts on it. Let's do it. I do want to touch on, I want to get your opinion on real quick, because kind of the big story that's outside of the ring, actually, um, was the Twitch thing. Uh, ah, the I'm glad we're starting stuff. with the Twitch yeah. thing for sure. Well, actually, let me let me start with something that's a little bit more important. We also had the death of Animal, uh, Road Warrior Animal, over the past week. I do not want to miss that. Thank um, you for bringing that to light. That yes. is the that is that should be the biggest news. Unfortunately, it may not be, but it should be the biggest news. Um, it was nice to see all the major, you know, all the major outlets and all the major uh, uh, promotions running something about him even impact i think had some had some things about him AEW had some things as well yeah, so i mean it was great I, yeah I mean, it was it's really sad that that joe lauren i just passed away yeah and as a um talent and as somebody who entertained for the majority of my youth i loved lod and i got to see animal wrestle with heidenreich actually so i got to see the modern lod kind of um I, I'm I not going to respect for that guy for sure. I will say I am a fan of LOD, and if uh, if I wasn't doing the rest of this podcast and needing to save what little remains of my voice, I would totally give you a water a water rush comment. I, I, I can I can pull it. I can pull it off. I just I know if I do it, I'm going to shred whatever voice I have left for this show. Yeah, don't do that. That would be bad. Yeah, but, maybe uh, off here. But uh, yeah, that uh, the other big headline obviously was the Twitch thing, and um. It's it's kind of weird in the way that it came about. Um, you I, honestly, the name that I always associate with WWE and Twitch isn't currently on the roster anymore. And it was Rusev Ramiro. Um, yes, but he kind of brings to light a lot of the fact that guys like Xavier Woods and guys like AJ Styles and Mia Yim and Paige and a lot of the other ones had their own Twitch feeds or uh, by extension had their own cameo feeds, uh, which would supplement. Uh, in the case of Cameo, supplement their income, uh, or in the case of Twitch, supplement their, I guess, visibility, maybe? I mean, you could get, I, as far as I understand with Twitch, you could still get money through Twitch. I don't I don't profess to know a ton of it, but 
it was a big thing for a lot of them, especially a lot of them that are gamers. Uh, Mia Yim specifically commented about how much she enjoys gaming itself. Uh, Dakota Kai is another one, yeah. But out of nowhere, seemingly out of nowhere, WWE steps in and says that, no, 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 you're, you're not allowed to have those anymore. Or you have to change your name, put your legal names on there. You can't use WWE property on there, which, you know, to an extent makes sort of sense. That you, if you're going to make money off of something that we're giving you or that's through us, we want our cut of it. Well, then we get news that a few weeks later, they're going, that WWE is going to be outright taking over Twitch streams. And that any money made off of Twitch streams or Cameo or what or the like will be counted against the downside on the contracts of a lot of their talent. And if you're not familiar with what that means, the downside on the contract is that's their guaranteed money. You know, so much of the money that wrestlers make is tied up, especially in WWE, is tied up through merch sales and house show gates and things like that. Well, obviously we're not getting those this year. Um but when they sign a contract, the downside is how much they're guaranteed to make in a year, even if they don't, you know, meet certain merch things, they don't have as many shows that they work or something like that. You know, you could make X million dollars if you work this many shows and you have this many, you know, pay-per-views that you work. But if you don't, we're at least going to guarantee you're going to make this much. That's that's how a downside works. Well, by counting it against the downside, as I've had it explained to me, is that they're going to take that out of the guaranteed money he would have made. So you can, by all means, do your Twitch and do your cameo and all that. But we're going to take our cut, and you're not going to make anything extra off of it. You're just doing extra work for us, essentially. Uh, There's rumors going around that the WWE is going to have their own Twitch stream now and that they're going to you know make it their own, which to me just sounds like tout redone, but that's a bad idea. uh, God damn it, you beat me to it with tout. The (laughs) storylines on tout, here we go. Well, like, the the this, the conversation that it all brings up is, you know, how much does WWE actually, quote-unquote, own their talent or own their their uh, likenesses? Because these are, as stated, independent contractors. So Vince is essentially telling you, hey, uh, we're not going to give you health insurance, but, you know, we want the rights to your name. Yeah, this is having their cake and eating it too. And it really is, like is. Someone like Andrew Yang, who that's the name that's going to come not, up. He's not yeah. a senator. That's uh, the name that's going to if if you know the forces of good prevail in come November, we may have Andrew Yang as a cabinet member, and he has stated full out, "If I'm a cabinet member, Vince McMahon, prepare thine ass. I'm coming for you." Yeah, and, and uh, yeah. Uh, we've got Paige talking to you about unions and things like that now, and we're going to be entering in some crazy days if things uh, if things go that direction. So let me give my, mm, I guess, opinion on this. Absolutely, because I haven't really said one way or another how I feel. I've just been like taking all the information in, mm-hmm. and this is my thought: WWE is seeing the new era rise up. This younger, smarter generation that's in tune and can at the click of a button, have their audience in front of them with no questions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people nowadays, whether you care to admit it or not, enjoy gaming and enjoy watching other people game or other people talk about gaming or or just talk, like podcasts, like we're doing right now. Right. And to me, to me, this is Vince just literally being the most greedy version of himself as possible because he thinks he can get away with it. Mm-hmm. 
And it's despicable because, you know, here's the other side of it. If it was unilaterally, all wrestling companies came to agreeances that within each company, if you're going to have a Twitch or if you're going to have any kind of you personalizing stuff to somebody service like Cameo, that unilaterally across the board, nobody can do it unless it goes through their, through their employer. Right. That's one thing. The problem is this. These companies, even AEW, doesn't have strict normal contracts like when you're no, an employee don't. of a business. No. You are an independent contractor saying, I'm selling you my time for this amount of an agreement. This is how much I think my time is worth to do what you're suggesting. There are some things I won't do. There are some things you're going to want me to do. That's where we negotiate. Right. And this is how we go forward. But this is where you have your cake and eat it, too, because with independent contractors... A business gets around a lot of stuff. They can actually kind of skirt around the law in a lot of ways by oh, yeah. you don't have to pay taxes on those people. So the revenue they're bringing in, they have to pay their own taxes. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they don't they're not responsible for their health care, like you said. And that means that the the people who are wrestling and putting their bodies are line they are now having to also go out and get their own independent health insurance. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, the Medicare for all times, thing we want. Yeah. We do want that. I'm not even going to pretend that's not right. a smart play. Well, but like, the yeah, whole yeah. private option that Joe Biden right now is kind of pushing does make sense in some regard when you have people like wrestlers who have to have their own insurance. Mm-hmm. So it, it is six of one, half a dozen the other. Then the kind of the final straw in the nail in the coffin on my thought of this is that Vince pushed it all too far because he's been taking advantage of these wrestlers. Do you know what the biggest lie is in professional wrestling buckles? What's that? The 90-day no-compete clause, because it's absolutely unequivocally horseshit. Yeah, Here's I how I know yeah. that. Because when Sarah worked for her studio, she was an independent contractor. And they had a made-up no-compete clause. You can't compete within 25 miles of this business. It's bullshit. It literally doesn't exist. You could you take it to the legal people, and they would laugh. They would go, what? This is not buying. Maybe well, with WWE it's different because they have notaries it, it, and all that it, stuff. It depends, on how, it depends on how uh, litigious the, uh, the company you're working for or used to work for is. Exactly. You know, if, exactly. If you have a no-compete that the company doesn't enforce, yeah, it doesn't mean shit. But if uh, you're WWE and you'll sue at the drop of a hat, yeah, it might be a little you different. you got to be mindful. And For sure. the the thing with the labor arguments and with the, the independent contractor shit, and it's I, I, I make no claim of being a uh, business-minded individual in the least, so my knowledge of it is complete and utter hearsay. But the solution that everybody wants to jump to is to unionize. Um, even though the guy's a dick, David Starr used to really was the biggest proponent of getting a wrestling union together. However, if you want to compare to something like the NFL, which has a players' union, or the NBA that has a players' union, that only negotiates with one major entity, and that's the NFL or the NBA. You may you may have to you know interact with different teams and different you know owners and such, but it's all under the umbrella of interacting with the NFL. You have the players bargaining with the NFL, with wrestlers. You don't have one big entity that they're interacting because AEW and WWE and Impact and Black Label and all of them are not under one umbrella. They're all separate 
corporations that all have separate, you know, legalese. They have their own separate lawyers. They have their own separate, you know, WWE may be able to make a lot more stringent claims than somebody like a Black Label or a Beyond Wrestling could to try to enforce certain contract uh, contract negotiations. Essentially what you would need to have happen, this is just my thought, in order to actually make a union work would be a representative from every brand would have to come together in a secret meeting and say, look. You would need a governing body as a whole, basically. Exactly. And, 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 and we're going to make rules and regulations and things that we want our performers to go through and things we don't want our performers to go through. And if you put our performer at risk, we can pull them. And the contract doesn't matter anymore. And yeah. that would be amazing for all the wrestling performers. Now, will you get WWE to agree to that? Uh, no chance in hell. To, to Not turn with Vince phrase. alive, but it is possible. Uh, even even with Triple H, no, because they still have a board of directors that they have to answer to. They care more about profits than the other performers. Um, you will. It, it, there is no world in my mind, and you mentioned earlier them being greedy, but there's no world in my mind that involves WWE doing what's best for its wrestlers over a profit at this point. This is the same company who let a lot of people go and I've said it before, not to not to turn a profit, but to maintain projected record profits. They didn't cut people to save money. They cut people to project a better profit. You know, this is the same company who has had a couple of separate outbreaks now because they either didn't test or said they weren't testing. Um, I think we've gotten to the point where expecting WWE to have any sort of moral high ground on anything is completely out the window. I, I mean, I fully so, agree with you there, and that's that's even that's just behind the scenes, not even with the reps, what we're seeing on our screen. Mm. Um, to get into some of the headlines, the major headlines over the last few weeks with WWE, um, we did just come off of the Clash of Champions pay per view, which was pretty good. You had the uh, the opener and the closer both banger matches uh, with great stories and then some kind of stuff in between. Um, yeah, I agree. That was a great uh, quick I shot do, review of that pay-per-view. I mean, you have the two good matches where Sami Zayn is just the best in terms of being a shithead heel. That was the, one of the more clever ladder matches you'll ever get a chance to see. Although I never need to see anything interact with Jeff Hardy's earlobes ever again. Um... But really, the story of Clash of Champions was the the Roman Reigns Jey Uso match, which was phenomenal. Not a not a you know work rate banger of a match, but storytelling wise, Roman Reigns is pound for pound a natural great fucking heel, and he has got this character down to a science already. That match just makes you he, wonder what yeah. could have happened if they would have made him heal sooner. Ah, uh, yeah, woulda, coulda, shoulda. But you know, there's also the idea that if they had made him heal back then, maybe he wouldn't have the gravity it does now. You okay. know, because you know more. I I'm gonna say right now that the heel heel Reigns character wouldn't be as good if you didn't know how good the guy behind the character actually is. I don't think okay. heel bastard. Reigns, the tribal chief or whatever he's calling himself now, the guy who, you know, beats his own cousin into unconsciousness, uh, you know, just to get an acknowledgement from him that he's the head of the table. 
that character isn't as effective if you don't realize this is the same dude who um, beat cancer and took time off to, you know, protect his kids. You know, if without knowing the fact that Joe Anoyai is a great guy. Yeah, for sure. But, yeah, that that heel character is something else, man. Um, SmackDown is appointment television again just to watch Reigns. Um, it's not very often that you see somebody paired with Paul Heyman where Paul Heyman fades to the background. But Reigns absolutely does it. Um, this is I think not, at this point, Paul being brought in literally was just to shock people that Reigns was actually going heel, like to sell that it's believable it, yeah, he's a it heel. Is. It is, because, you know, Nothing, nothing sells uh, evil like pairing you with the devil. But Bingo. it reminds me more of Heyman's interaction with CM Punk than it does with Lesnar. So it's a, it's a, well, that's the closest uh, approximation I can give. I think that's but a perfect approximation because it's the, I mean, that's they an interact exact more as comparison. Equals, yeah. Punk was a masterful heel who mm-hmm. did not need anyone, right? But being paired with Paul Lee put him over the top mm-hmm. to an echelon where for 434 days he was the greatest, the best in the world. And there's a lot of people that argue that he probably should have went on to that WrestleMania or may, 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 you know, whatever whatever the reason is. Well, but the, the, other, the other nice thing about this feud is you're also getting Jey Uso as a believable babyface. They made yeah, Jey Uso really main event babyface in one night. That's awesome. That's great. Um kind of ping-ponging around the rest of WWE briefly. You have uh, Randy Orton losing in an ambulance match to the combined weight of all the legends that he beat up over time. And then in what is just a terrible segment, he dresses up as a janitor, puts on night vision goggles, and beats up a poker game full of uh, people who can't take bumps. Not fun. (laughs) I saw somebody who who posted a picture of the Legends table. Yeah. And it said something about how Raw flashed back to 2006. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah. Because it it actually, just, it, for a second, I was like, oh, my God, is that a picture from 06? I was like, Wait It just cracked me up because it's like, they, they, it feels to me like they made the script of, we got to have Orton beat up all those Legends and then realize as they got there going, oh, shit, none of them can take bumps. Uh, what are we going to do? Turn the lights out. Uh, okay, well... Uh, Orton put on sun, uh, night vision goggles. <laughs> it looks so bad. It is so bad. It'll be uh, it'll be a, a hell in a cell match, and yeah, whatever. Um, we do have the Bailey Sasha feud still going strong. I'm not really happy with it because I think they're pushing it too quickly. They waited five years to to start the feud officially, and now they're gonna. I feel like they're gonna blow it off in a month. I don't like it, but. It feels like they're blowing a WrestleMania feud on Hell in a Cell. And, you know, Hell in a Cell, which is a completely unnecessary pay-per-view in its own right. Unless, of course, Bailey loses, Sasha wins, and they can continue the feud sensibly. But this is WWE we're talking about. Yeah. And when have they played the sensible card? Now, I will say, like you said, they're killing it with Roman. And I love what's going on there. I, mean, I also will say, ya boy predicted something you did not think would happen. Which is? Sammy winning that IC title. You did. You did. I did not see Sammy winning. but And I had I had very... When I made... Well, you, anytime there's any kind of an event and you send me a... You got any predictions? 
it's off the cuff, man. It's literally because mm-hmm. a lot of times I don't even know who's on the fucking card, to be honest. And I'm like, who, who's fine? What are the matches? Who's on it? Right. Oh, okay, shit. So then I have to quickly like think, okay, what do I know about what has been going on in the wrestling sphere? The sphere, not the sphere, the sphere. And with Sammy, they had a really interesting narrative. Really interesting. And my hope was that they saw, and this is what I sold to you, they need to make Sammy really make him. And how do you do that other than putting him in there with an absolute ring general and AJ Styles and a risk-taking legend like Jack Risk you you talk about somebody who this late in the game needs to protect be protected from himself. Somebody get Jeff Hardy, give him a hug. Make sure he doesn't know he has to do that every day. For real, him and <sighs> Matt both, man. Good God! How many times did I tw- uh, did I message you during that show? God damn it, Jeff! <laughs> a lot, a lot more than yeah. you should have. Yeah, and there were. Some but you were right. You were right. You were absolutely right. Spots. Yeah. Um, also, some creative spots. Just to quickly yeah. talk about that. Um, putting the um, the, handcuffs the handcuff through, through the ear, ear and then uh, piercing, and then, and then handcuffing the himself to AJ, and then slipping out to handcuff AJ to the ladder. Brilliant! That is actually, honestly, honest to God, brilliant. Um, you do have uh, again, kind of ping pong around the rest of WWE. Uh, you have Alexa Bliss turning into Harley Quinn. Is- Apparently, this terrible music might be a temporary thing. Doesn't change the fact that what he's got right now is god-awful. But you have Owens feuding with him and now with essentially feuding with The Fiend uh, because the draft's coming up and now they're blurring the lines even more than they should. Uh, We'll probably hit the draft next week on the show. Um, I made a comment on Twitter that, of course, uh, Kevin Owens is going to feud with The Fiend and with Aleister Black. And, you know, next he's going to feud with... uh, Excuse me, with a couple goth high schoolers and the entire uh, entire staff of an Orlando area hot topic, hot topic <laughs> guy. Um, it's just weird. Um, you have Lana getting buried, literally buried. She's what? taken ever since uh, Rusev showed up on AEW. Lana's uh, been Samoan dropped by Nia Jax through the announce table three times in the last four weeks. Burial. <laughs> Are they trying to send her to AEW? Who knows? They're just being petty. (laughs) Um, You have uh, Ivar and now Eric are both out. Eric said, uh, or touching on Ivar first, Ivar uh, on a botched suicide dive uh, came away with what everybody thought was a stinger, ended up being a cervical injury, so he is out with neck surgery for who knows how long. Um, Ivar is out, and now... I just saw news today that uh, Eric went ahead and got some, I think, arm work done. So he'll be out for a while. Not that it entirely matters because no one cares about the tag team scene on Raw anyway. And you can't what even tag feature team them. scene? Well, you can't even feature Eric on Raw Underground anymore because Raw Underground did the job to COVID. <laughs> oh, no. They lost Raw Underground It hasn't already? been on in two weeks. They can't have extras. <laughs> they uh-huh. had a... The outbreak from NXT apparently may have... They were afraid of it reaching up to the main roster because they all the uh, NXT extras were Raw Underground extras. So, hence, Jesus. no, we don't have Raw Underground. <laughs> may it long may it live. Yeah, Mysterio's daughter. And a really kind of weird, somewhat creepy angle between her and Murphy. 
We may be getting a Murphy face turn. I think we may have actually gotten the Murphy face turn last night. Um, it's a little uncomfortable to the fact that he's, I think, 35 and she's 19 is a little uncomfortable. Not wrong necessarily, but WWE a little uncomfortable. WWE has a bunch of people under their roof that may be Yeah, that's what makes it uncomfortable. Is, yeah, and we'll, we'll get to that in a minute, too. Um, but there's also a little bit of uncomfortable in the fact that Seth Rollins is talking about going on to people's DMs and finding things. Well, Seth, we know your history with that. Please don't. Please don't ever pick up a phone again. Um, and then the really the other big story from WWE in the last three weeks, last four weeks, really. We've talked ad nauseum about it, retribution, and how bad that angle was. And we have gone completely off the deep end with it since then. When we last left you as the, you know, as the retribution turns, or sucks if you want to say it, um, we had just left it with their gimmick was the uh, this pseudo-Antifa angle that doesn't attack main, main shows and doesn't really attack anybody, but, oh, they're big and fearful and it's all just dumb. Well, we didn't know what dumb was until they showed up on Raw the next night and... Let's see if I can run through all this really quickly. They take off their hoods to show, and we now know them as Shane Thorne, Dio Madden, Donovan or Dominic Dijakovic, Mia Yim, and Mercedes Martinez, but all variously wearing really shitty masks. And I say really shitty as in one looks like Bane, one looks like Predator, one looks like Jason. And they look terrible. They just look flat out terrible. And their promos are not any better. And then they go on to tell us that they signed contracts with WWE. That's a terrible idea considering you're wrecking WWE. What? Here's, there's not a good way to look at this because you have, you have two angles here. One is the company that wants to destroy WWE and hates the people who are taking money from WWE and you know just living fat off the cow are now taking money from WWE contracts. Okay. That makes sense. And WWE, who is, you know, so fearful of this this terrorist entity that's going to destroy them from the inside. But we're going to pay them now. Yay. That helps, right? So no, it doesn't. It's at dumb. All. It's dumb. It's dumb. It's dumb. It's dumb. And then later on in the show, we get a match with them. And it's their first televised match, and they don't just call them retribution members. They have names now. And their names are Mace, T-Bar with a hyphen, and Slapjack. The episode title might be with a hyphen. (laughs) With a hyphen, sure. But when the name is so bad, and I'm referring to Slapjack specifically here, when the name is so bad that Jerry goddamn Lawler can't get it out with a straight face, it's not a good sign. So he, he couldn't say it, huh? He tried saying Slapjack and started laughing. <laughs> That's um, funny. It's bad. It's bad all the way around. I will say there's and, only one good thing about T-Bar. He's got some mad burn skills. Yeah, their Twitter feeds are all fantastic. Actually, they're uh, they're more threatening on Twitter than they are on uh, on programming. 
Um, uh, the fact that uh, T-Bar, I, I struggle calling him that, but T-Bar completely obliterated Chris Jericho uh, for the uh, the COVID spreading is nothing short of genius. It is beautiful in its own right. But we got the, uh, here's the funny thing is we had all that terrible shit and the memes and the jokes that came out of it for a week. And then we get to raw the next week and we're going to have, Oh man, they're going to come back. Well, no, they, uh, they kind of all came into contact with somebody with COVID. So they can't be on the show. <laughs> so we don't even get a follow up for a week because they're all quarantined. Oops. And then, Oopsie. and then magically we have another development last night. Where, well, this is Wednesday, so Monday night, where Mustafa Ali is revealed as not only the hacker that was supposedly dropped or whatever, completely forgotten a couple months ago, but is the leader of Retribution. That was a whole different fucking show he was the hacker for, right? Yeah, for SmackDown. (laughs) Yep. But, hey... At least so, they paid off a couple storylines. Yeah, they paid off a long-term story, which is amazing in its own right. But I am completely conflicted on this, on this Ali is the leader thing. And I've talked to a bunch of people on Twitter last night and today about it. I am I'm a big fan of Ali, not just of the performer. That he's a hell of a performer. He's the best probably the best honest to God full on baby face in their roster on raw, maybe on SmackDown as well. Maybe on all three. He is a fantastic wrestler, a great performer, a hell of a promo and a great baby face. And I'm also a big fan for the guy behind the character. Adil Alam. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, who is a former Chicago cop. And, has gone on record as saying he refuses to play the Muslim foreign heel because he doesn't want to see that stereotype anymore. He wants to be a positive outlook on people. He wants to be a good example to people of what his type of people can be. He's a great human being, for one. Um, I actually saw this wonderful clip. uh, They interviewed him on Talking Smack uh, about social injustice and the fact that he's a former police officer and this uh, this four year former cop, Chicago cop, is on the side of defunding the police. Not allowed to say it on WWE programming, but the way he outlined it, it's pretty obvious. The guy's intelligent too. So, I'm really happy. The guy deserves a push. He's needed a push for a long time. But the push that you're going to give is by turning him heel. The best babyface you got, and you're going to turn him heel. A crossover, you know, star, somebody that you could have this multicultural aspect and be really, really noteworthy on a positive note. <clears throat> and you're going to turn him heel, and you're going to turn him heel with that. You're going to associate him with that dog shit, terrible Antifa gimmick. You're going to make a a Muslim guy the leader of a terrorist organization. Really? It's very. You're going to make a former around. cop the head of an Antifa group. Really? I'm happy for them to get a push, but God damn, they had to come up with something better than that. That is that is a disservice. It's a it's a backhanded compliment at best, and I 
uh, part of me says I hope he kills it because I want him to succeed, but I hope he kills it and that I hope that he kills the whole fucking faction and they all get to succeed. Uh, it's a, it's it, weird because Ollie is one of these guys that's constantly been <clears throat> almost pushed. Mm-hmm. Like, ooh, we, we're going to, you know, he, Ali ended up, wasn't he the winner of the Cruiserweight Classic? No, he was not. He wasn't even actually supposed to be in the Cruiserweight Classic. He was uh, an alternate. Okay. But then um, he ended up being, uh, he lost ended in the up first winning round the Cruiserweight well. title. Yeah, he, well, no, he never did. Really? What? Nope. No, he never did. Uh, he That's fought, strange. I thought he did, no, he fought, hold the belt. He fought Cedric for it uh, at Mania and... Uh, no, right. he did not. He came up short. Uh, he's, so, to my knowledge, he's never held a title in WWE. So back to what I said, he's almost pushed <clears throat> all the <throat> time. <clears throat> well, he, if you remember uh, a couple years ago, he was supposed <clears throat> to be um, a major factor in Money in the Bank and then got injured right beforehand. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daniel Bryan actually pushed and wanted to work with him because of it. Yeah, I remember he did <clears throat> that big gauntlet and they had <clears throat> that whole buildup with him. He was like, well, oh the there's a. There's a big rumor that the whole Kofi Mania thing came about because it was supposed to be him, and then he got injured. <coughs> it was supposed to be him running the gauntlet and all that. But it's just like I, I, I'm having to mentally justify this, and this is this is where I got into the comment with the Bixens fan last night was that I, I'm having to justify the fact that I love the guy and I want him to win and I want him to do well and I want him to have all the success in the world. But I hate that gimmick so goddamn much. So maybe, maybe they'll turn it around. I mean, you know, if you got rid of situations where Ali can make the best of a bad situation, or if he's going to bring him down, and if it brings him down, ultimately. If it, it brings him be. down, it's if it brings him down, it's bringing all of them down. Yeah, but that could ultimately be for the best for all of them because it'll get them away from the terrible, true. away from the company. That's true. You know, at some point they'll true. go. I don't want to sit here and be in a shitty Antifa gimmick. Yeah. You know, or I don't want to, you know, represent chaos and you right. know confusion. And it's like, what what kind of message are you sending that you're a chaotic group when you don't attack pay per views ever? Right. Yeah. It's it's the gimmick in its own right is. Really, I mean, we've talked about it many times already. They've botched nearly every aspect of it thus far, up until now, and that's including the 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 masks and the slapjacks of it all. But if he can succeed with it, if they can rehabilitate that gimmick, it's going to be the great a great thing for all involved. But the odds are not in his favor. I have to say, I have to say that. He is he has been given a really shitty hand to try to deal with, and we'll see how he does. I hope to God he succeeds because again, if he succeeds, it helps all of them. And I want Mercedes Martinez, and I want Dijakovic, and I want Mia Yim, and I want Shane Thorne, and I want Dio Madden to all succeed. So well. they got to <clears throat> figure something out to make. They're going to have to do some tiptoeing around and make this shit work. Um, it seems to me that they're <clears throat> they're building for a feud between them and uh, Hurt Business. It's a four-on-four. Four. We've got Survivor Series coming up. I'm willing to bet that's going to be one of their matches there. So I think that's where they're building to. We'll go from there. We'll see. Uh, that's WWE in a nutshell. At least Raw and SmackDown. Yeah. Um, staying with WWE, we can go to NXT, which... 
Um, I have only seen a couple of the weekly shows going in the back the last couple of weeks because it is really fucking difficult to watch them after the fact at times. But well, especially when just, they keep changing the dates and the releasings yeah, of them. That's true. Uh, but we also had uh, NXT Takeover Thirty One uh, this past Saturday or Sunday, rather. And true to form. When you get an NXT takeover, you're getting a good show. And it was. It was a hell of a show. Um, and also, this was notable because it was their first not at full sale. They moved to the PC, which is now called the Capitol Wrestling Center. <clears throat> it's the Thunderdome of NXT now, essentially. Yeah. And you know what? I got to say this. I didn't expect to like it. You know, after seeing a first couple still images of it, I didn't like it at all. Um, the chain link fences over the plexiglass walls makes it look really try hard. <laughs> Especially uh, since they're not actually like usable fences. That right. Bum yeah. Me they're just out. kind of there. Um, I made, I think I made the comment on social media that, uh, it looked like an arena that should wear a tap out shirt and be slamming monsters. <laughs> So um, you mean they should call it the Capital or the Kyle, the Kyle Wrestling, Wrestling Center. Center? Yeah, there's no drywall in the building now. Um, but really, surprisingly, after watching like really kind of midway through the uh, the Gargano Damian Priest match, it started growing on me. The fact that the the overhead view screens and everything, and this is here's gonna here's gonna be what kind of set it for me, and this is gonna blow you away. Uh, do you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of the underground Pokemon Battle Fight Club from Detective Pikachu. <laughs> Seriously. Like, I'm not saying that in a bad way, but it looked like an underground illegal building. It looked like a warehouse that you shouldn't be in, that there are people up in the wings watching down from above because they don't want you to see their faces or they don't want to be, you know, down with the rest of it. And you have people kind of milling around outside. Like walking around behind the gates, behind the fencing. It looked kind of like a Kumite, almost. And it looked less fake than the Raw Underground set, which just looks like it's in a boiler room somewhere. Uh, it looked... Re- and it may have been because it was all, it was the all black to it. It may have, Since it looked smaller and a little more intimate, I don't know. Um... Maybe it was because they weren't, you know, it had the underground vibe while they weren't beating you over the head with Shane McMahon screaming underground every 30 seconds. But it, it honestly, I got used to it. I kind of like it. So, I mean, I'm, I'm down for it. We'll see. I think it looked cool. I think that it serves a nice purpose. It separates itself from looking like Thunderdome. It is unequivocally NXT. I will say I really thought the CWC logo with the NXT logo like hidden in it was really cheap and really not thought out very yeah. well. It I looked, get you're trying to pay homage, yeah. but it was really like, oh, 30 seconds, I'll just slap an N and a T on it and it'll be good enough. Uh, personally, I can't. if I see CWC, I think Cruiserweight Classic still, so I just that doesn't work for me. See, I mean, <laughs> their brand is mixed messaging, and that's the problem we well, keep they, having with. The whole rebranding thing, they didn't really announce that until day of, so I'm not really sure how much of that. Obviously, the set redressing was premeditated, 
but I don't, I'm not sure the rebranding and the re-logo and everything. I don't know how far in advance that was actually done. They didn't announce it until the day of, so that's interesting. Um, but the show itself was great. Uh, Gargano, Priest delivered. Um, that was an awesome match for sure. Had some crazy spots that, mm-hmm. uh, the spot where he did on oh God, I'm not, I don't have the terminology down, but essentially he, Damien Priest, I think got flipped through his legs. Like his arm got caught mm-hmm. through his leg and Gargano flipped him off or right. maybe Gargano got flipped off onto the outside from the mm-hmm. apron. And it was like, Oh, that's brutal. Um, I will say that I don't ever want to see that rope hung like middle rope reckoning again because it looked to me like Gargano's feet got twisted up in the ropes and he went straight down on his dome, which scared the hell out of me. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> but, I mean, all in all, not bad. It's a little weird to see Gargano lose at a takeover again. Um, that coupled with the fact that Candice LeRae later lost to uh, Io Shirai. Hmm, they'll be in the draft. There's yeah, there's a there's there's two th- two schools of thought here. There's every reason to think that this is writing them off for a draft call up, but Gargano's been pretty vocal with saying he does not want to leave NXT. I mean, outside of outside of character, he said he doesn't want to leave NXT. So I don't know. I I'm kind of interested to see what happens. Uh, I do think Same. there's going to be some call ups, and we again we'll get to that. I, we may. I don't know if I'm if I'm picking anybody right now to go up from NXT. I'm picking Rhea Ripley and a couple other girls. I don't see any of the guys going up right away. Um, but I think since they are bringing in some new names or bringing back some new names, I guess that their women's division's kind of getting a little overcrowded. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Ripley, who other than Raquel Gonzalez doesn't really have any feuds right now. Uh, so I think she gets called up possibly and maybe maybe a Dakota Kai who's kind of spinning her wheels or maybe a Chelsea Green who is not really doing anything. I could see all of them getting called up. We'll see. Um, the Candice LeRae Yoshirai match was fun. It did suffer a little bit from shenanigans at the end. Anytime that when Gargano comes out in a ref shirt and tries to actually count a pin, kind of ruins the disbelief just a little bit. <laughs> Um, just a pinch. Just a pinch. But sandwiched around all those were three absolute banger matches. One that I want to speak on specifically is Kushida and Velveteen Dream. Which, if you're not a fan of Dream, which doesn't seem like there's many people that are right now, hint, hint, that was a fun uh, match uh, to watch because that boy got his ass kicked. <laughs> so you mean to say that he got punished live on television because that's what it kind of uh, it it sure as hell felt like it. Well, it, it sure as hell feels like that because the way he lost, but it also feels like that because Kushida was vicious, <laughs> and that is the Kushida that I want to continue watching. I've watched Kushida in New Japan and was kind of wishy washy on him. He's a great wrestler, but I wasn't really invested in him. If he brings that aggression out, I'm here to watch everything he does because that dude hates arms. <laughs> um. I had fun with that on Twitter, though, I'll say that. I said the storyline was that, you know, that Kushida wants revenge on Velveteen Dream for, you know, Dream, you know, punking him out and hitting him after the bell or whatnot. But no, no, the real story is that Kushida just really hates pedophiles. Oh, yeah, he does. (laughs) And, oh, God, I think part of the gimmick, 
Kushida's gimmick, obviously, is the Back to the Future thing. So he always dresses up as McFly. Well, Dream struts out in a you know spray painted gray afro and uh, the hazmat suit gloves, and he's he's doing a Doc Brown look. Oh, that's clever. Uh, you know, I told somebody online, hey, this is like uh, if Marty McFly fought Doc Brown. And, Doc, you know, if Doc Brown was a sexual predator, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> and but man, did he ever beat the ever loving snot out of Dream and Dream sold it well, you know, kind of lost in all this. And the fact that no one likes him right now and the fact that, you know, the r- real world stuff's kind of overshadowing things is the fact that Dream's still a hell of a wrestler. He's still a very yeah. talented wrestler in his own right. So he sold that beating very well, including the after the after the bell beating when Kushida still tried to you know rip his arm out of socket. So we may not see Dream for a while, and that may be the write off for a little bit. Good for him. Maybe he'll get it. Maybe we'll get a Kushida Austin Theory match next. Who knows? I <laughs> know oh, they've already done that. Maybe we'll just get a full feud. There you go. Um, and then after that, or I guess the other. Undercard match, non Gargano influenced undercard match, uh, was a sentimental favorite of mine because it's a rematch, just not a WWE one. The cruiserweight title between Shane Swerve Strick or Shane Swerve Strickland, but Isaiah Swerve Scott and uh, uh, Santos Escobar, which in another lifetime is a direct rematch from Lucha Underground with King Cuerno and Killshot. And guess what? The two of them put on a hell of a match. Not to toot my own horn, but who was the guy that said that Velvet, that uh, Shane, that Swerve Strickland was my very first someone to watch? You were, dude. You <laughs> tell, told us to watch him, and I think that was literally very first episode I was on. Week of or like a couple weeks into his debut of NXT, mm-hmm. so he was still very, yep. very fresh. Just been signed. So, yeah, hell of a match. I don't like the ending because the ending was kind of botched. Uh, the idea was that uh, Swerve, you know, went headfirst into the post, but unfortunately the camera angle was just a little bit so that he didn't really hit the post, and you kind of tell he didn't, so it kind of made it a little suspension of disbelief off, but goddamn, the rest of the match was fun. Um, Escobar is a, hell of a thing, is a hell of a wrestler too, so don't count any of them out. Um, and then the final, the main event of the night, and something we haven't touched on yet, was uh, Finn Balor, new champion, versus Kyle O'Reilly, the hey, unsung hero nice. of the uh, Undisputed Era, getting a chance to go, and I'm here for it. I've been a fan of O'Reilly's for a hot minute, back to his days in, in Ring of Honor, uh, when he was paired with Adam Cole in Future Shock. The guy's a hell of a grappler and has a very unique style in, in WWE. And the two of them had a great match. And, I mean, anybody that knows the work rate of the two is probably going to expect that. You expect a great match out of those two. But they put on a hell of a match story-wise, not just the ring work, but story-wise. When was the last time you saw a stomach injury or a kidney injury, or I guess it was a liver injury, rather, uh, be the focal point of a match? I couldn't even tell you. I couldn't tell you the last time I watched a soft tissue injury be the crux of a match. But O'Reilly gets buckled over with a shot to the gut, and we're off to the races. 
And it all plays beautifully into the fact that Bauer's finisher is a diving double stomp to the gut. Plays Doubly in beautifully. hurts when you got an injury to your gut. <clears throat> yep. It, it all came out well. Oh, my um, gut's injured. Ow. Well, um, you're not going to hear Bauer say that because Bauer might have a broken jaw. Legit. I saw Legitimately, that they yeah. traded some super stiff blows. There's a there's a knee lift in the corner from O'Reilly that caught Finn flush on the point of the chin, and that may have been what did it. Um, But you could kind of tell they went to the ending pretty hastily after that. Bauer's uh, bleeding out of his mouth, and when they go to raise his arm, his mouth's already swollen up pretty good. So I, they haven't issued any kind of official report, but there is a rumor going around that Bauer might have a jacked-up jaw. And uh, that's kind of unfortunate considering that the last champion, Karrion Cross, also was injured in winning. So that's not a trend you want to continue setting. And that'd be the second. It's like the Madden cover curse. Yeah, in its own way. Um, so we'll see what comes from it. Um, they did finish up the show with the angle of Ridge Holland dumping the unconscious body of Adam Cole ringside, which is a big push for Ridge Holland, who is somebody that supposedly everybody backstage seems to really like. So, eh, why not? Cool with it. Just don't, you know, break anybody's neck like you almost did to Gargano, please. I'm not going to lie. I was kind of out of it initially, and I wasn't really paying attention. I thought it was fucking McAfee. <laughs> I was like, why is you know, McAfee holding it, The funny What's thing is, there is, I can see there a little bit of resemblance. You squint hard enough, it does look like a really beefed up McAfee in a way. Like, they kind of have a similar, like, facial structure, I guess. Yes, fully. So, yeah, kind of. I can see that. Uh, so we'll see where they go with it uh, to NXT. So we'll see what happens. Uh, we did also have the return of uh, of, uh, of Tony Storm and of Ember Moon in the same night. Mad Max Moon. You know, here's the thing. Um, I like Ember Moon in the ring. She's a great worker. I'm really happy she's able to come back because uh, there was a really nasty thought that she might be career done because of our, her Achilles injury, so I'm really happy to see her come back. I'm also happy to see her come back because in the entire time that she was in NXT and then into WWE, she never really had a character. Great ring worker, but never really had any sort of discernible gimmick. She did this kind of weird werewolf vampire thing that they never really touched on, and then they called they her the put Sheena. They her to the mountain. But, she should have beat Shayna. Yeah. yeah. Just saying. They fucked that up yeah. full stop. So, I mean, there's there's a couple different things. So, I'm really glad to see her come back and get back to NXT. Maybe they can give her a bit of a, care, a kind of a soft reboot. Um, I'm also really glad that it wasn't Bo Dallas, like a lot of people were thinking it was. So, um, Tony Storm coming back is also a big deal because Tony Storm is one of the best women's wrestlers on the planet. Can't really go wrong there. Uh, but, again, that leads me to think that they're going to have some women get called up because that's going to really pack up that roster. Um uh, they also announced Halloween Havoc. Shotzi Blackheart presents Halloween Havoc. And Cody Rhodes cries into his beer again. <laughs> because Cody part- Rhodes, though, kind of getting a possible victory here. How so? He's saying, go ahead, have Halloween Havoc. They're going to win the fucking rights to the Four Horsemen. Oh, that's true. So, I, I, mean, see, uh, I saw, uh, was it Arn filed for the, uh, for the rights to it, I think it was? Yes, he did. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, do have a little bit of bad news uh, in NXT, and that is uh, Tegan Knox. Uh, re-aggravated her knee injury, or I guess retore her either ACL or MCL. Um, when you get consistent tears like that, it's pretty much a career, bud. The sad thing is, I don't. From what I understand, it wasn't even during a match or in practice or anything. It just went, and that's and that's why you know when you know it's bad. A good sign. That's not a good sign. And <clears throat> you know you hate to see it because she's got a lot of talent and she's really young still, but. The fact that she's really young, you also want her to be able to walk when she's 40. So you, maybe it's time to hang it up. I don't know. I hate saying that. I, you know, I wish her all the best, and I don't want her to have to hang it up. She doesn't have to, but maybe it's not outside the realm of possibility, too. I don't know. Well, hang it up for, you know, listen, here's my thing. The problem with WWE wrestlers and with wrestlers as a whole is that they get constantly um, tweaked because they're always working. Mm-hmm. And their bodies can't fully recover. So I don't care who you are. Oh, well, six months of recovery, and then they're coming back from this injury. It's almost like having a union or something and having an offseason wouldn't be a bad idea, huh? Wow, right back to the point <laughs> we were making earlier, my dude. <laughs> because exactly that, yes. Tegan needs to be set down and told, listen, Yeah. I don't care if you are back in six weeks. I don't want to see you for a year because I yeah. want to know that when you come back, you're back, and you're right. not back until another injury, and then we have to shelf you. Because right. that immediately becomes the Finn Balor syndrome, where they become afraid to put a title on you because you get hurt. Right. And, and then that changes the course of your career. You don't become yep. as billable. You don't get to get the marquee matchups. Yep. There's also something to be said for, you know, we talked about it a couple weeks ago with the Darby Allen and with uh, – uh, Matt Hardy's injury that sometimes you have to protect them from themselves, whether that's in a match itself, stopping a match when it needs to be, or, you know, telling them, hey, it's you need to stop. You need it's to time. take time. Like, you need to take, you a need to take time off. So I, I don't know. Um, hope for the best. Hope we hear from the best from her, and we'll see what happens, I guess. Yeah. <clears throat> but that kind of wraps up all the WWE side of it. I do have some AEW headlines. Sure, um, let's, let's just... Dive right into AEW, and then we'll dive into whatever's left. Sure. Again, this is going back to uh, a couple weeks back. So I think the 16th was when our last episode aired. So I went back to Dynamite that week, uh, which didn't really have a whole lot that week because things kind of changed after the fact. But that week was notable for it was the debut of the new uh, Young Bucks attitude of, you know, super kicking referees. Yeah, we're in the darkest timeline, bro. Yeah, we're getting the uh, anybody that picks on Tony Schiavone. uh, We're getting full heel elite. You can see it happening, and that happening just literally means we're in the darkest timeline. I'm so excited. Yeah, Yeah. anybody that picks on Tony Schiavone is automatically a heel in my book. Yeah, Uh, and anybody who super kicks Tony Schiavone needs to go straight to hell in my book. However, though, whoever (laughs) kicked Alex Marvez did a fantastic job. Wait, what? (laughs) Um. I don't I have like to ask. I, I'll, I'll I, you asked me here. all this. All, you asked me this all the time, but I'm mean, gonna have to ask you. Did you watch Being the Elite? Not this week, but last week. Um, which episode was that? I'll know it based on the name. Uh, that was the uh, episode in which Eddie Kingston cut a promo on Sour Patch Kids. Fuck yeah, I did. So I want to reference specifically the very first clip of that show where Matt Jackson went aggro on Brandon Cutler's laptop for a solid oh my God, five that minutes. That is one of the fucking funniest <laughs> scenes. 
he's like got this secret ROH project and then turns around uh, to take a phone call and Matt just, just snaps. At, it goes he elbow drops it and kicks it and breaks it apart and goes through. He was pulling the keys off the keyboard one at a time. <laughs> I loved it. It was hilarious. I, I haven't finished this week's episode. Uh, I haven't Kenny had a chance. Omega. I haven't had a chance to sit and watch it yet. But God, that that clip of him with the laptop just I it ate me up. I love it. Um, but yeah, they have this new heel bucks attitude. Uh, the other uh, interesting thing from that uh, September sixteenth show was the main event, which was the parking lot fight, which may have been the best street fight I've ever watched. <laughs> it was amazing. And it, I, think, it, I think we co- yeah. we did cover that. Did we cover that? I don't remember. We did because, if you'll remember, we delayed recording by one day. That's right. That's so right. That that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Okay. Whatever was going to okay. happen on that dynamite. So, we've already, so we, so we covered the street about fight. Because the, there was the crazy swanton spot and the finish, and there I mean, yeah. so many different spots to talk about. Yeah. And that was just like... Again, look, here you go. I'm just going to say it. You have Chuck and Trent and really Cassidy and, and then Santana and Ortiz who were able to say, look, we've never been billed as the greatest of anything in any company we've ever been in. But given an opportunity to tell a story and given an opportunity to work how mm-hmm. we know, we can hang with the best of them and do some of the cra- – it was one of the most talked about matches and this is something we didn't get to talk about. It was one of the most talked about matches on Twitter history because you had people like Mick Foley and other legends of the oh, game yeah. commenting on like yeah. how they really fucking put it all out there. It was it was a dope match. It's a, it's going to be on the short list for match of the year this year. I got to think, which you never would have oh. expected going in. A a, a a parking lot bra being in the same sentence as match of the year typically doesn't happen yeah, because you so often have. No. These clinics, especially when you have somebody like Kenny Omega who can work, mm-hmm. or, or your, you know, uh, Okadas or whoever. You well, know. you got to think it's mentioned in the same breath as AEW tag matches for this year, and you go back to Revolution and the Bucks and Hangman and Kenny. Six star match, Jesus yeah. Christ. So, but I mean, you're talking about it in the same breath still. That's impressive. It very much is. Um, very much so. But after that match was over, we kind of had a bit of a shakeup because we were supposed to be getting Lance Archer and Moxley. And unfortunately, the big bad of the world, uh, you know, the heel that we're dealing with right now in COVID. Archer did a job to COVID. Archer did a, co- a job to COVID. Ben Carter did a job to COVID, which I am a fan of Ben Carter, and I'm really happy to see him showing up and showing out on Dynamite and on the, uh, or no, it was the, it was the Dynamite After Dark and the Dark episode itself. Uh, Carter had a great match with Scorpio Sky and with Lee Johnson, so both of them great matches. Happy to see. Hope he gets signed. Uh, hope he gets better first, but hope he gets signed. Uh, there was a rumor that Cage might have gotten the Rona as well, unfortunately. But he's been off TV for a week or two yeah, now. Well, he and he had tweeted ahead of time that he wasn't feeling the best, so not the best combination of things. Uh, but it shook up Dynamite. And in that next week, instead of Eddie versus, or uh, Mox versus Archer, we get Mox Eddie Kingston. Eddie never got um, Eddie never got he, dumped. No, every Eddie never got tossed. He he let up. There was they kind of fell into it because they had that in their back pocket to use if somebody was out. That's a great could, yeah. It was great, but it was also <clears throat> clever because you had the possibility that Archer and Eddie could have a feud mm-hmm. or. Eddie and Mox could have a feud. And I'm going to tell you right feuds, now. Eddie working anybody of, is a win. 
Yeah. I'm going to tell you right now that even even if Archer beats Moxley for the title, I am here for a John Moxley-Eddie Kingston feud. Just for the promos alone. Just because those two characters bounce off of each other so freaking well. And I love Eddie Kingston in AEW. I'm a big Eddie Kingston fan in general, but I love the guy getting his shot in AEW and getting a chance to really do what he does best, and it meshes really well with his style. The only thing he can't do is swear. <laughs> um, he tries really hard. Yeah. Um, and then you get, uh, also that night, we had uh, Brody Lee beating Orange Cassidy for the TNT belt. Could and have then, seen it going the other way. And then, well, yeah. But then he goes and he challenges Cody to a dog collar match. Which, the next week, Cody, or I guess two weeks later, he came back one week and then accepted the week later. But he accepted this past week. The very strange-looking new Cody with, um, let's say, unfortunate hair color. <laughs> Just back to dashing, bro. Just back no, to no, no, there's no, 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 no. Sorry, I. He could be back to dashing. He could be back to his, uh, you know, his original Ring of Honor look when he had the fur, the fur line aviator jacket. Uh, just going back to the dark hair. That's all fine, all well and good. The problem is, the hair dye that he used is terrible and looks like somebody just dipped him in boot polish. <laughs> it's okay, not. I see what you're saying. Okay. Man. The last time I saw hair color that black, it's when I worked at my last job as an insurance agent, went into somebody's house, and somebody had a 60-year-old, you know, white man afro that was darker than the soul of every uh, Hot Topic employee ever conceived. <laughs> it looked, it was, it was blacker than blacker than black. It was fake. It was lacquer. And you could not stare at it. And Cody looks like an anime villain <laughs> because of it. Like it's like every time <clears throat> Cody does something with his looks, he overdoes it. I, I love just the guy, a little but he too much it. every time. Not yeah. not to say, listen, the man dressed up like fucking Stardust for Christ's sake. Yeah. Any anything he does in AEW is going to be better than that. And you not know, to say I hated Stardust because I actually I'll liked tell you, him I'll tell you what, being you that character because the... he did it so well. The only good thing about Stardust that came up, other than the fact that Cody showed he's willing to do whatever he needs to do to get it done, respect to him for that. The day that David Bowie died and he came out in Starman gear, I applaud that man. <laughs> mm-hmm. He came out in Starman face paint, and I love it. He did the Ziggy Stardust, and it was great. Um, sorry, diatribe. Anyway, uh, but yeah, Cody, Cody comes out and accepts the dog collar match, and we're going to get that tomorrow night. Should be great. Uh, first time I've watched a dog collar match in a very long time. Tonight, as you're listening, that's an I. I will. Doesn't matter what season it is. I'm still going to continue fucking that up. I am sorry for that. It's the whole time however, travel thing. It's hard. It's hard to do. However, um, I do want to ask: What is it about Cody that he insists upon having the the most brutal matches he can, short of death matches? He's Whether taken from cage his dad. matches or blading or whatever. The dude is just bound and determined to have a forehead that looks like his dad's. Well, I'm glad you said that because his dad is actually what yeah. I'm thinking about first and foremost when you say, why is he putting himself in these brutal matches? He's, What's the first thing Cody did when AEW got rolling? Made uh, it to well, where? What? Well, I was going to say he got a, uh, a chair wrapped around his head for one. 
Sure, sure, sure. And you've, we've had some. We had the the spot on the ramp where he missed and yeah, crushed also his had face the, and all that. Like, well, put sure. it this way: how many how many big level matches has he had where he hasn't bled? No, no, no. I I get that. Very few. I don't think there's maybe maybe one. But what I'm saying is when he, when AEW first started, everybody's like, oh, Golden Boy, he'll have the title in no time, and he took it to where he can't even now. Yeah. I mean, I, I respect Cody as a performer. Don't get me wrong. So what I'm saying is is that he's taken after his dad by saying, listen, you don't have to be the champ to steal the show. And sometimes if you're brave enough to put yourself in a situation That's where true. you take risks, people will mem- remember that way further than them remembering. Could I mean, be. look, Could the, be. The, the street, the, the parking lot brawl is a great example of that. That's true. That is very it, true. It, if you do it right, if you take the right kind of risk, I mean, and and think about it, the match that Cody and and Brody had for the TNT title was short. It was not really a squash, but kinda. Oh, it was a and, squash. It was it was a squash. And it it was so. This is Cody's re- re- redemption, but also it could just be Cody getting his ass whooped for five minutes. Yeah, real quick, and then it means totally different thing because then Brody looks like this world beater, which everyone is concerned AEW doesn't have. Looking at you, well, Corey. I mean, you also have the fact that it could be the uh, the genesis for Cody's heel turn, which he already seems to be leaning into slightly. Okay, and then let, let's talk about that, because this is something I was going to bring up to you. How fucking crazy would it be if it was revealed that Brody Lee is actually not the exalted one? <laughs> Do a double swerve and have it be Cody? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Um, I think you're just more likely to get a heel nightmare family. Which would be cool, too. But it kind of changes, though, because you've also got heel bucks, heel Kenny, you know, hangman's well, kind of here, we're not sure where he's going. I, I kind of I was thinking about this myself earlier in that you've got to remember that the people who are doing most of the booking are Cody, the Bucks, and Kenny, right? Well, yeah, of and those, everything goes through Tony. Right, everything goes through Tony, but... A lot of those guys get their their influence, their booking influence from their time at New Japan. Uh, that's where the Bucks were for a long time. That's obviously is where Kenny made his bones, and Cody was a big part of it too. And what did they do while they were in New Japan? Well, they were all part of different factions. Well, I, they were all part of the same faction, but they were all involved in faction warfare because New Japan is heavily based on factions. You know, just offhand, you have Suzuki Goon, you have. Chaos, you have uh, Los Angeles, you have Bullet Club, to say nothing of smaller ones, but you have these long, overarching, you know, interacting factions, and you kind of start to see that a little bit with AEW, because you have the Nightmare Family, you have the Elite, you have the Dark Order, you have the Inner Circle, you have a lot of different factions that don't necessarily need to break up, they could go a lot longer, you could add people to them, you could take people out of it. Uh, you know, there's a possibility that MJF might start his own faction. Or uh, I would, join a faction that exists already. Truthfully, I'd like to see him I'd like to see him create one because I want to see him move the dynasty from MLW up to there because the dynasty sure. is fun as shit. <clears throat> and all the people there could do really well in AEW too. Um Yeah, there's there's two guys from that little faction of uh uh Hammerstone and uh, the most marketable one. That could uh, definitely be someone to watch here in the future, but um, 
it, it strikes me that you have that kind of faction warfare set up, or at least heavily faction-involved storylines in AEW after seeing where they've kind of gotten some of that influence from. So, I mean, you could see that, too. It was Which, yeah. you could have multiple heel factions and not really be that bad. And there's nothing to say you can't turn them face. I wouldn't... I'd actually kind of enjoy watching a face... Uh, a face inner circle. Kind of in the yeah. same vein that I enjoy watching a face... Uh, a face uh, uh, undisputed era. It could be fun. Um... Speaking of uh, wrestlers coming back and returning, uh, Dr. Britt Baker's back, officially back now. No uh, no tooth and nail dentist office shenanigans needed. She was in a full-on match last week and looked good. Yeah, looks back to form. So, good to run her. Um, also, speaking of new people, uh, we have some new signings in Will Hobbs, Serena Deeb, and Ty Conti. Uh, Will Hobbs is actually getting a big push right off the bat, or was supposed to get a real big push right off the bat before... Uh, COVID reared its ugly head. Um, Still going to feud with Brian Cage, though. Yeah, he will. Actually, uh, talking about the um, the indie matches coming up for the collective this week, one of the ones I'm looking really forward to is uh, a guy I mentioned a couple weeks ago on our last show, Calvin Tankman, uh, a guy that reminds me a lot of uh, Keith Lee, uh, is having a match with Will Hobbs. I am all there for it. <laughs> Should be a banger. Um. And then you've got <clears throat> Tay Conti, who was pretty green in WWE, but hey, she could do some good work there. And Serena Deeb's looked good both times she's been on AEW. So, all four, good jobs. Uh, we had uh, the next week of Dynamite, you had not Kingston, but The Butcher getting a shot. Eddie picked uh, The Butcher as Moxley's opponent for the night to get a title shot. And The Butcher, I thought, acquitted himself fairly well. What a for somebody nice who hasn't been wrestling that long, yeah, it was kind of cool to watch, and he did. I thought he acquitted himself very well. Big bruiser, and, and honestly, everything he did looked like it hurt. Good for you. That's what you need to be doing. Um, and then uh, talking about the inner circle, we have this week's episode coming up, which is going to have the aforementioned dog collar match, but also is the 30th anniversary celebration for Chris Jericho. And uh, did you, uh, you know the setup they've got for who they're going to fight, right? Mm-mm. Uh, the match is going to be Jericho and Hager versus uh, Chaos Project, which is Luther and Serpentico. Which yeah, spawning kinda, from the whole thing that happened ringside. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I actually got to see something over the weekend. Jericho put something up on Twitter that I didn't realize. Uh, the reason they picked those two for his fight on his 30th anniversary Luther was his first match. What? Yeah. That's if I'm if I'm understanding that video right, the two of them came up in Japan around the same time and they fought each other. Luther was one of was was one of, if not was Jericho's first match. And then they both kinda had diverging careers where Luther was huge in Japan and huge in Canada and Jericho went to the US. So there is a that is a designed bit of a uh, of a uh, full circle actually for Jericho's 30th anniversary which is pretty damn cool. Full I would be surprised at all to see them actually reference it tomorrow night. <clears throat> so, I'm looking forward to it. Should be a great night. Um Wednesday night's always the best night for wrestling even though it's getting kind of lopsided at this point. So if they do the if they do a this is your life Jericho is covid making an appearance. <laughs> 
sorry. Uh, yeah, I know. The sad thing is, there's so much of his career that they won't be able to show. Because they won't be able to show any of the WWE stuff. I mean, you won't get to... WCW stuff. You'll get to see his... You'll see his WCW stuff. You'll see his probably... I guarantee they'll probably show you some of his Japanese stuff. Um, I think he's done some work in Mexico, obviously. So, you'll get to see some of that. But you won't get stuff like the Festival of Friendship. You won't get the I'm the best in the world at what I do. You won't get the Ayatollah of Rock and Rolla. You know, calling Stephanie a skanky hoe bag. You know, you won't get some of the best stuff of his career if they get to show, which is kind of an unfortunate thing, but still, 30 years in the business and still going strong. Got to be pretty happy with Chris Jericho. He is um, my all-time favorite, even though I'm mad at him for what he did at Sturgis. Yeah, they say never meet your heroes, man. I didn't meet him. I just read what he did <laughs> no. on the internet. <laughs> well, never, okay. Maybe re- re-update that for uh, for the modern <laughs> the modern era of never follow your heroes on Twitter. <laughs> Or never, there you go. Never follow your 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 hero's social media pages. Ugh. But that's uh that's the highlights. So that's getting us caught up for AEW. Actually, I haven't gotten to see anything from Dark tonight. I'm not sure what all went on for Dark. Um, I know they they've had some decent matches. They've been making Dark a little bit longer. Um, which you know whatever. Uh, and they're all kind of starting to slip in their own fans. Uh. Dynamite's had fans the last couple of weeks. We found that out when one of them tried to jump Mox on his way out to the ring. Um, the fuck? You saw that, right? You had to have seen oh, that. Oh, yeah, I definitely yeah. saw it. That dude got tackled to shit. Yeah, yeah he did. But Like, man, please. whoever that security guard was needs to sign up to play for the Jags. Because, yeah. god damn. Hey, you tell that kid that tried to jump in, you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. Yes, you do. But. But yeah, that catches us up for AEW and for NXT, WWE, and everything. Um, and that just leaves me with the one segment left for the week. Throw it to us, Mr. Buckles. Is it someone to watch? It is the someone to watch. And we're going to go back to the early part of the show. And I've actually mentioned the guy's name once today. Um, I've actually been sitting on this name for a, a few weeks now, or actually a couple of months. Uh, um, it's been on my short list for someone to watch. I was just kind of waiting for the right time. And I think that after his showing this past weekend, that it's time to talk about Christian Casanova, the top talent, Christian Casanova. Um, and I wanted to say that because he showed up at Turbo Graps this weekend um, in a first-round match against ACH, who, you know, in his own little career resurgence, it was the focal point of the match, but Casanova showed up and showed out. And the reaction I saw on Twitter to it was, holy shit, who is this guy? And, oh, man, Casanova's great. I'm like, okay, y'all need to go back and watch some of his shit because he's been tearing it up for a little while. So, yeah, it's time that we talk about Christian Casanova. Sweet. Um, Casanova's been in the game for about six years now. Uh, started at Chaotic Wrestling uh, up in Massachusetts, which I believe he is currently the heavyweight champ, I think, if uh, cage matches to be believed. Uh, he's also done some work with Zero One, uh, with Northeast Wrestling, where he's also their live champ. Uh, and he's also most most uh, reputably to me has done work with Beyond and Limitless, which is where I've gotten to see him uh, myself. Um, the guy is fairly young. I wasn't able to see what his actual age is, um, but fairly on the young side. And kind of has a bit of a hybrid style. Uh, not so much submission-based, but a lot of striking and a lot of aerial. Does a lot of springboard, which is really cool. You don't see as many uh, as you might think. 
uh, these days, but does uh, has a very unique move set. Uh, likes to finish people off with uh, uh, the ode to Booker T. Does an axe kick that he calls the sucker kick. Oh, I love it. Uh, also has I, I'm not even really sure how to call it. It's kind of a tornado arm DDT, like a tilt roll arm DDT called the uh, Dirty Diana. And anybody who names a finisher after a Michael Jackson song, I'm in favor of. Um, also, it's a really cool uh, springboard backwards springboard leg drop, which is pretty awesome. But uh, really cool to watch. He's smooth as hell, and I, I mean that in the uh, in the sense of a very cool collected character, but also physically. Ring work is very smooth. Goes right from one to the next. Very agile. Fun to watch. Uh, if you go on to uh, YouTube, you can actually find a few of his matches. The ones that I would probably single out, obviously the match with ACH this weekend on Turbo Graps. You can pick that up on uh, IWTV. Um, that's the most recent one. I wanted to point that out because it's kind of the one that seems to be getting the most eyes on him right now. But the guy's been around for longer than that on TV. Um uh, I watched him. I picked up on him through uh, Uncharted Territory uh, Beyond on IWTV. Uh, watching him go through the tournament for tomorrow last year, uh, which is their kind of like up-and-comers tournament, which he actually won uh, in good showing. Um, but uh, to me, another match that I would point out, if you have IWTV, if you get a chance to watch it on Beyond or seek it out, I had a great match with John Silver, who you know I'm a big fan of as well. Um a great example of a great match. Uh, Limitless uh, Heavy Lies the Crown. Or no, excuse me, Limitless uh, Practice What You Preach. Uh, he had a great fight with Myron Reed, uh, most recently of MLW. Uh, and I actually believe that may have made a top ten list uh, back in February for us. Um. I haven't gone back to listen to see if it made the top ten that week, but I'm fairly sure I know I talked about it. But that show or that match is actually up on YouTube if you want to go check it out. Myron Reed and Chris Casanova. So definitely somebody to watch. He blew up really well. You know, he got his name made up in Beyond and up in that Northeast uh, over the last couple of years. But I think going forward, he's got a chance to be in somebody who can really break out. This year, once things start get back up and running, I think that's the name you're going to start hearing more and more of is Christian Casanova coming out of the north- Northeast. So Sweet. keep your eyes out I'm for culture season. To watch some of his work. I yep. told you I'm going to try to watch Turbo Grab sometimes in the next time, a couple days or so. It's it is up I, on uh, it is up on IWTV. Usually they're about a day after, but uh, both yeah, shows are. I told are you, up. I said I don't think I'll get it before the show, but I'm definitely yep. intending on watching it because the yep. amount of stuff you were saying was like, holy shit, that's amazing! Or I can't believe, or you would. You know, post a, a little twelve second gif of a crazy fucking There's, diamond cutter out dude, of there. I, I know I sent you a clip. I, saw. I know I sent you a clip of uh, I believe it was to get to get off the someone to watch for a second and go back to to Turbo Graps, but there's the match between uh, to Infinity and Beyond, which is Cheech, uh, Cheech and Colin Delaney, and uh, the Black Label Pro Tag Team Champions, the besties in the world. Uh, Matt Fitchett and Davey Vega, who I've watched recently having a couple of really good matches. But there is a spot. I I believe it is I believe it's Fitchett that gets tossed. Um his own tag partner has him up kind of in a, like a back suplex position in a way. And throws his partner almost upside down, straight forward, into a flipping double cutter on both it the was other tag ridiculous. team members. I 
I just said, like, I think I sent it to you and just said, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> How the hell did you do that? It, like, it was uh, literally, uh, even watching it, you're just like, wait a minute, the mechanic. I'm, like, I'm really pumped because uh, the besties are a tag team that I was not really that familiar with up until the last couple of months. Uh, they are a very good tag team, and they are going to be going up against uh, Violence is Forever, uh, Dominic Greeny and Kevin Koo, uh coming up at threat level noon this coming weekend at the collective i'm here for it um i made a comment on twitter this weekend that if you have not gotten a chance to watch violences forever that is the best to me the best independent tag team right now is violences forever they don't they're not conventional by any stretch it's a bjj guy in in dominic Garini and a striker a hell of a striker in kevin Koo. but i've seen them live and they blew my mind. I've watched them on numerous uh, Beyond shows, numerous fucking Black Label Pro shows. Uh, they had a great match with, um, I believe it was Bear Country uh, last year. Iron Man match, I think I think it was. I believe it was the, uh, the headliner for Slambleton last year, I think. I don't have it in front of me. But every time, I've been incredibly impressed with them. So, two great tag teams in a title match. Sign me the fuck up. Go watch Violences Forever if you get a chance. There's a little backup, somebody to watch, I guess. Uh, you can watch both of them. Koo just got signed onto MLW, so when you start seeing MLW again, uh, they're both going to be part of Team Filthy. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Oh, Hell speaking yeah. of which, I, I am obligated to say this and bring this up. Um, it's not going to show up on a top ten list coming up because the match itself wasn't much to write home about. But... Um, there was, I told you, the, the format for this tournament um, was the singles matches leading to the two um, Fatal 4-Ways. Yeah. I need to, I want to, I want to make sure I'm getting this correct really quickly here. But one of the Fatal 4-Ways involved Effie, involved Filthy Tom Lawler, and involved uh, Alex Ethan Shelley. Page. And Ethan Page, that's right. Uh, so Shelly, Page, Lawler, and Effie. And three of those guys are known for their humor. I mean, they're all great wrestlers. Don't get me wrong. Shelly's a hell of a wrestler, too, obviously. But Filthy Tom Lawler, if you've not seen him, the dude gets gimmicks and gets being a shithead so well. And lately has gotten off on coming out to the ring in a pair of Honest to God, cut off Daisy Duke denim shorts. Peels them off to reveal that he's wearing his trunks underneath. His tights are compression shorts painted to look like Daisy Dukes. (laughs) Uh, Combine that with Effie. (laughs) When uh, they did the introductions, Effie actually had the ring announcer, good old J. Rose, uh, announce him as Effie, who is living out his fantasy. (laughs) 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 Effie stopped... I swear to God, during the match, Lawler was still wearing the da- the the full on Daisy Dukes. Effie stopped him, got on his knees, and peeled them off himself. <laughs> oh, my it Lord. was unbelievable! <laughs> um, Hell, so yeah, yeah, enjoy that match while you're at it. I have to. I am obligated to call that shit out. Effie and Tom Lawler. I need more of that in my bloodstream because those two are funny as shit together. Um, speaking of the collective, again for uh, threat level midnight or threat level noon, 
we're going to get Gaytanic Panic, Effie and Danhausen in the year of our Lord 2020, taking on the the team of Carlito and Chris Masters. Amazing. I'm here for Un-fucking it. And I can't wait to see how that plays yes. out. Yes. Yes. A million yeah. well, times, Buckles, yes. Is there anything else we want to dive into before we officially wrap up episode one of our fifth season today? Uh, no, I do think we've got it all here. I do want to again tell everybody, J-I-W on J-I-C, come find me on Twitter, come hang out. Um, Follow us, like, share, subscribe, comment, absolutely. do all those things. Absolutely. Make and sure to check join us out in the on conversation. Uh, all the different places you get podcasts as well. You know, mm-hmm. by searching, uh, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do a Jake the Snake Roberts. I'm bringing my voice real low. I'm gonna get. Real quiet <laughs> well, let me see, right let me now. see if I can get it. I know we're on Stitcher, we're on Podbean, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple, uh, we're on iTunes. Yeah, Apple. Music, uh, yep, you're right. We're on. I do believe we're on Alexa now. Is that correct? iHeartRadio, yep, yep, yep. Apple, wasn't the Alexa Amazon thing that music. was a recent development, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't it? Yeah. The Apple, the Amazon Music <laughs> thing is pretty cool because they just have added a podcast section to Amazon Music, which they didn't previously have. However, if you had Alexa and you said, Alexa, play podcasts by Journey into Comics Network, it would, in fact, play them just from Apple Music instead. Hmm. So it's just redirecting it back to their own site, which is fine because it's all good for us. But yeah, like Buckle said, make sure you check us out on all those different podcasting platforms. Wherever you digest your podcast, just search Journey into Comics Network. Also get us at journeyintocomics.com, which I was just about to bring that up. I was just about to bring that up. We're we're starting the new season, so if you want to go back and listen to the old seasons, catch up on what you missed. The man that you are hearing, not me, but Nate Phillips, curates that website, puts a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into it. Go listen to it, you filthy animals. (laughs) A lot of like... Like, yeah, I put a lot of work into the archives, and I do it because I want people to be able to access the shows they love because I understand that not everybody is a fan of every show we produce, and that's okay. You don't have to be. Yeah. So uh, All the blood, all the buckle. sweat, all the tears. Anything else you want to talk yeah. about before we go? No, I think that's about got it for me. I have no idea what the fuck we're going to call this one. I'm just being real with you right now. <laughs> um, I, you know, it, no idea. Season, season five premiere without the cliffhanger. What's up? Season 5 premiere, no cliffhanger. (laughs) No cliffhanger. That's great. Awesome. All right, folks. Well, for Season 5, Episode 1, no cliffhanger of Journey into Wrestling, I've been Nate. Still buckles. Happy to be here for year two. And we will see you guys next week on a new episode of Journey into Wrestling, where we'll be here every single Wednesday. Don't forget to check it out. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we will see you all later. Later.